Welcome to the Teach SEL podcast, where we inform teachers to transform students. Listen as we talk with educators, researchers, and experts in the field of social and emotional learning for our first ever series on SEL. Now, here's your host, Jenna Niemeyer. On today's episode, we are talking with Dr. Tony Klein, an expert on social-emotional learning and the dean for the Frank School of Education at Trine University. Thank you for being with us and sharing your expertise, Dr. Klein. Jenna, glad to be here. First podcast. Pretty pumped. I am too. Okay, so to start off, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? So what is your educational background and what are your interests? Sure. So I'm a former elementary teacher. I taught second through fifth grade down in Indianapolis, Indiana. Then that's what my degree was in elementary education. And then went back to school and got my master's in special education. And then my PhD, I finished in educational leadership and research. You know, my interest really at at the end of the day is just being in opportunities when I have a chance to impact the lives of others. If I do, that's really a part of the circumstances. And if I'm able to do that, just but being in a position to do that. And I'm just curious to figure out what works best for students to influence their lives. And so really that led me to being interested in whole child education, social emotional education, diversity, and leadership. So I found that within each of those components, those have lent me kind of nice avenues to really make sure that a student is known, that a person is known, and then advance, giving them, you know, either different skills or knowledge or even attitudes, dispositions to, to move forward from where they're at. Yeah. So you talk about like this whole child education and the social emotional aspects of that. What first got you interested in SEL? or social emotional learning. Right. So I was always, I still am just always curious and and trying to be more effective for myself. Right. And so I would, I remember the school I used to teach at and I would see incredible teachers who would really make an impact on students. And and those teachers were well known and and parents loved them and students loved them. And, you know, we as colleagues, we really admired them. And so I tried to study them and then would see what do they do different, right? Because not every teacher is that teacher. And I think what I found was that those teachers had a good sense of self themselves. They, they understood themselves. And to be an incredible teacher doesn't mean you have to be incredible at everything. But you understand what your strengths are. You also understand what your limitations are and what may not come as natural. And so what I was thinking was that, wow, I wonder if the teachers who may not have the most accurate understanding of who they are and their own skills if they're not doing that with themselves, then how can they do that with their students? And so I think that was kind of one of my first, in my head, running dissertation topics was, okay, does a teacher first need to know themselves before they can accurately reach and get to know and, and stretch the student? So that that was really big. I also went to a Castle workshop when Castle was really new and, and SEL was really new. Social emotional learning was new. And so in the early 2000s. And so that was pretty pivotal for me too. I remember when I was first learning about SEL, they would say, you can't help a child be regulated if you first are not regulated yourself. So talking about, you know, you see these teachers who are excellent teachers and their students love them. And how part of that is just knowing that they know their strengths and they know their weaknesses and they know how to maybe not bounce back, but cope when things aren't going the way they're supposed to be. So they know themselves and then they're able to know their students. You got it. So thinking about, you talk about your PhD and I learned from you earlier that your dissertation was about social emotional learning and about using some journals and 
using some SEL indicators through that. So can you kind of explain what that looked like and what you found through your research? Yeah. So again, that was that was always of interest. And in, uh, when you when you finish your PhD in about ten years from now, Jenna, <laughs> um, one of the things they'll tell you is to find something that because this is like a three year project, right? So you have to be really passionate about it. And so um, social emotional learning was something that I was interested in. One, so that that was cool. It was, I was passionate about it. But two, it was an emerging field. It still is. I remember even working with professors and um, some of them sharing that they thought it was a pseudoscience, that they thought it was kind of a trendy thing and didn't have a lot of empirical data to back it up. And, and with most new fields, they don't. But it made intuitive sense to me and there was there was emerging research that was showing that. So yeah, I took a deep dive into the research and what was, there was stronger and more broader research in the business field. And so there were there were a lot of strong uh, results showing that if you had this these social emotional characteristics that you'd be excellent in, in the business field. And, and, the, and they're showing how these things were also helping in, in schools. But one thing that I wasn't seeing is how did if you know the things that make somebody good at business and the leadership piece, could that translate to being an effective educational leader in schools? What we did was we created a instrument. It was called the SELF, which is Social and Emotional Leadership Factor Survey. And so then they reached out to principals across the state to see if they wanted to participate in the survey. Once they agreed, then I reached out to teachers within the schools to participate as well. The principals would evaluate their, their own self um, using this survey. And so they're looking at those pieces that Castle has identified um, for social and emotional warning. So the self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, responsible decision-making, and relationship skills. Principles were rate how, how effective they were on that. And then I wanted to see how that correlated with how the teachers rated their principles on those same factors. And so research will show that people tend to think more high of themselves than the peers who are rating them, and that was the case. And so the principals would rate themselves typically at a higher level than their, their, their teachers would. But the interesting thing was is that the principals and teachers who agreed that these principals had higher levels of, or of social-emotional learning, they actually had better academic scores and better attendance rates, their schools did, than the principals who themselves were like, I'm not that great in these social-emotional learning, and the teachers would agree. And those schools, their standardized test scores were lower on average and that their attendance rates were lower on average. That's so crazy and we talk all the time about I mean at Trine we talk all the time about you want to be the teacher that students love and that students remember and I think a huge aspect of that is just being a social and emotionally adept teacher and that all starts with knowing yourself and knowing your limitations and your strengths like we were talking about earlier and what just baffles me the most about your PhD is that this is something that started in the business world not even necessarily in education and we talk all the time about you know social emotional learning some people say it's not something that is going to help students down the road but the fact of it is is that no matter what career you're in no matter you know what you decide to do with your life you need to have social and emotional skills you need to be able to cope you need to be able to self-regulate so I think that's so interesting yeah I think most people want to be wise right you you, we want to be wise and, and really we can define wisdom as if we're looking back at decisions we made and feel like those were the right decisions right even in difficult times and I think from an educator standpoint there's there's always new initiatives and so if you look at the 19 90s and 2000s when high stakes testing would became such an initiative. We as educators need to realize when those pressures are on us, what's missing. And if, if we're just 
putting our emphasis on math and reading on fill-in-the-blank tests what are we missing because that a lot of our instruction is going to be um, aligned to that type of results and so yeah it, it's interesting and, and I think that we're seeing while you know here we are in almost 2020 and our standardized test scores haven't raised dramatically because of that and a lot of teachers have been burned out a lot of these social emotional learning things have been left out of the curriculum because of this emphasis so it's just good to know early on in your career too is when new emphasis arise what what are the unintended consequences of that Mm -hmm. and I think social emotional learning has been an unintended consequence that has been left out of the schools and now I think that's why you start seeing an emergence of that yeah yeah. And I think, too, there's so much focus now on, like you said, like that whole child education of not only should they know their math and their reading and their writing, but they should know how to, you know, work well with others, how to have grit, how to have perseverance, a growth mindset, how to be socially and emotionally adept. These are the things that, you know, along with that math and that reading are going to help them get good jobs. But if they can't be a team player, if they can't regulate themselves, if they can't be organized, then how are they ever going to succeed in their job? Tell me this. Do you want to work with a team that where people are self-aware, where they are able to manage themselves, where they're aware of others, good relationship skills, and they're responsible? Yes. Oh, my and goodness, that's, that's a dream team. Yeah. And don't you want that for your students as a teacher too? Don't right. you want them to be able to do those things? And right. I think that SEL is such a way to make that happen. And maybe not by itself. There needs to be, as the teacher, you need to be well-versed. But who doesn't want that for their children, for their students, for, you know, even themselves? Agreed. Yeah. So you talked about social emotional learning and leadership a little while ago. So I'm just curious, what is one thing or a few things that leaders can do when integrating SEL into their school so they see a successful transition for students and teachers? Because I don't know, is it something that happens quickly? Is it something that happens slowly? And how, where do they even start? Right. So one thing that we're good at as teachers and educators is adding things into the curriculum. Sometimes we're not good at realizing things need to go. I think people would be surprised that there is some social emotional learning that's just naturally happening within in the classroom. I, I think the first place that folks need to go to is Castle's website, Castle C A S E L dot org. They're they're the forefront in the world really um, in looking at social emotional learning and creating a framework is huge, right? So understanding what what is this? Well, they break that down and they have a lot of good research to back it up, but also some practical strategies. But then you know, for, from a leadership standpoint is you, we always, as, as teachers, we got to look at ourselves first. So as a principal, look at yourself and assess yourself. Where do you think that, you know, where do I rank on these things are um, strong to need to improve on? And then get some, some allies that people that I trust, ask them the same questions and make sure that those are aligning. And then, and then from there, you can get steps forward. But really, a lot of us have blind spots, meaning that we have things that we don't tend to focus on that you know, we probably need to improve on. But if you have somebody you trust that can kind of bring these blind spots to the forefront, now they're a weakness. But now I can attack a weakness. Yes. I can grow from a weakness. And so, you know, having an honest conversation, get, getting a group of people you uh, believe and trust around the table to assess yourselves, your leadership team on these areas. You got to start there. You can't you can't just have teachers do it and not. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's got to start. It's got to be from the top to the bottom. Everybody's doing it from the principal to the student to the teacher to the guidance counselor. It's everyone because you have to be a united front for your students. You got it. If yeah. not, it's just another, I mean, if, if this is another fad and, and social emotional learning right now in 2019 is a big deal. 
yes. five years from now may not be right so if this is something that you co- is in your core that you believe in and it's something that you know is in mind and we've been doing this for over a decade then it's worth investing the time and i think there's enough research to show that the outcomes are are worth it Right. I um, was talking to another professor the other day and she said, teachers in general, we're not in it for the income, we're in it for the outcome. You got so it. I think that a big part of that is social emotional learning for sure. And, you know, we talked about leaders a little bit, but I'm curious if you have a helpful resource and we talked about Castle, but what's something that as a teacher or as, you know, a school leader that maybe is a guidance counselor or not necessarily the principal, you know, what's a good resource or tool for them when they're adding SEL into their classrooms for their students? Right. So I'm going to take you right back to Castle. That was actually <laughs> my, my resource of choice just because it's the leading piece, right? right. Everybody else is, is supplement, to, to, in my opinion, supplementing it. But they have very practical tools that teachers can use. They have from a leadership standpoint, policy making um, and procedure updates. Again, from a research standpoint, if you're interested in that, they ha- they really inhabit all of it, and they're leading the front on it. So that's that's my first place to go, and I think most of the things you will find will be informed by research that is already on there or that they're doing themselves. So yeah, so everybody listening, that's Castle C A S E L dot org, and they have the gamut of everything that you want to know about social and emotional learning. Okay, so we've talked about your interest in SEL. We talked about where that came from, and you're talking about SEL and leadership and SEL for teachers. And I guess I want to know on a personal level, what's a success story or what's an instance that stands out to you in your mind in a time where you've used SEL in your school or your classroom that made you think, oh, this is it. This is good. We should be using this. Right. So with my interest in SEL, I remember asking my principal okay so like what tools are out there what can we do and she said tony there's there's nothing out there you know there's really nothing that is built with a framework specifically of sel so she was like why don't you try to pilot something and so just like myself of doing a self-assessment i I did the same with this was when i was a fourth grade teacher so working with nine-year-olds and i remember coming up with this idea and then sharing it with parents at back to school night and i remember some parents coming up to me and saying tony like our kids don't think this way like self awareness social (laughs) awareness they don't think this way and I was like okay maybe maybe but let's try and so what what I did was just created an infographic with each of these components that Castle was sharing back then as well defining it and then we would work through what does this look like and I would always try to give a personal example of what this looks like for me and then they would try to make a text to self connection of what this looks like in their own life and so then what they would do was within this infographic they would create their own definition based off that conversation of what self-awareness looks like and then they would rate themselves and then they would set a goal and so then we would revisit that goal about every three weeks and then move from component to component throughout the year. So that one, they had an awareness that these are real skills and really important skills. And two, that, you know, they're, we're, we're malleable. We can move, we can change, we can grow in it. And so I think just creating that awareness and then trying to let them self-reflect and be honest. And there was no points to this. This wasn't, you know, high stakes. This was really me as a teacher saying this is this aligns with what I think is important and then putting some of the effort and you know if we we did it once every three weeks it wasn't like it was taking a lot of time but those 30 minutes I think over time was really helpful and then touching back and 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 talking to those parents and and seeing their faces when they're reading their children's reflections over responsible decision making and here's where I fit and here's what's difficult and I think that was important you know I think it's important that we as teachers make time not just during that academic normal 
business hours, but, you know, try to be creative with students. And so I would have leadership Wednesdays. And so I would identify students who had natural abilities that I assessed as, as leaders. I would have lunch with them every Wednesday. And I would do this with different groups, but on Wednesdays it was leaders. And so we would sit and talk about like, so what is what what is it that you think that makes you a leader? What do you think your peers see in you? And then what's difficult about that or what's exciting? And so we would do that probably every other Wednesday and just walking them through, you know, we're not, we're not playing the game of school. This is if we're really in it to change students' lives, This these are things conversations that are ongoing that are real but then also are, are providing them skills that framework is so important it, it's easy to have good ideas but to provide these concrete steps is helpful so you can see those sustainable outcomes so i would say with journaling and then just meeting with kind of affinity groups right identifying mm-hmm. some groups and yeah. meeting with them and walking them through that i think was helpful and i think what's so great about the journaling aspect of that is not only are you hitting sel but then they're also practicing their writing and with standardized testing, you know, teachers fear that SEL is something they don't have time for. But just like that, it's integrated into the curriculum. Right. And I think, too, on the self-reflection side of that, like you were talking about, you know, I always think about what you say about, you know, we don't learn from our experiences. We learn from reflecting on our experiences. So right. that self-reflection piece is huge. And then I also really loved, you know, talking about having lunch with your students. What a cool thing for them. And also what a great way to build lasting positive relationships with your students. You got it. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that concludes the formal part of this interview. But now we're going to do three rapid fire questions. So I'm going to give you about a minute to answer these three questions. Are you up for it? I'm down. Okay. What's one book, SEL related or not, that educators should be reading? Oh, Susan Cain wrote a book called Quiet, The Strength of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. New York Times bestseller, heavily researched, so it's it's legit, but just resonates, I think, with with all people, um, but especially with teachers. And in fact, she came out with the second kind of version, um, or second book, actually, it's not a version. It's called Quiet Power, and it's for teachers working with teens and young, young students who are identify as introverts and what we can do to maximize who they are. What a great tool for you as a person and then also for your students and as educators. Okay, what podcast are you listening to that's helping you grow as an individual or as an educator? Yeah, so I think I... from a value system for me is is hearing things from multiple perspectives, right? That I think that's an important piece. So I'm trying to make informed decisions. There's a podcast by the New York Times called The Argument. And so they present different arguments and give both sides to them most weeks. And so that's something new I've been listening to the last few months. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It helps me at least form different ideas and then hear people's different perspectives. It helps me form my own thought process. Okay. Last question. I know that you're a huge fan of The Office. Huge fan. And I am as well. Who doesn't love Michael Scott? But I have to ask you, because I know this about you, which Office character would most benefit from SEL? All right. So first I was thinking about this. So here's the here's the full spectrum of self-awareness. I would say Michael Scott has the least amount of self-awareness. And here's going to be a surprise. I think with the most self-awareness is probably Stanley. I would never have assumed that, but I think that you are Stanley so spot on. Stanley recognizes that he doesn't care and lets you know <laughs> that he doesn't care. He's not surprised by anything that people think of him, of, of his own behaviors, right? I, right. Think he, I think he's very self-aware. So Michael Scott, though, is the most obvious, right? Um, yes. But I think a deeper cut would be Ryan. So here's the idea. Oh. Ryan wants to be self-aware. Yes. But he's not. You're so right. Right? So he, and, and I think that's that's the difference, I think, with a lot of people. Some You kind of, sometimes it's a dichotomy of you have people who always want to learn. 
forever curious and then you have different people who always want to grow right not very often do you have people who are very curious and then put that into action right sometimes mm-hmm. the always curious people are always learning 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 but you don't see it into practice or then the, on the other side you see people who always want to grow 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 but don't put the time in to learn right yeah. they just want to get the, the, the shortcut to get there ryan is somebody who wants to be really effective but doesn't put the time into yeah. to making that so yeah yeah so he wants to be self-aware so bad but it's probably the least self-aware character. Mm-hmm. I'm so stuck that you said Stanley because immediately when you said that, what popped into my head was his whole spiel about like he pays for his daughter's school that's too expensive in the pretzel in the pretzel day episode, so and he good. runs through that whole rant of things he hates, and then he says, "Well, pretzel day, I like pretzel day." You got it. He knows what he likes. <laughs> he does. He's so self-aware. Yeah. And I think in my head, when we're thinking about who's self-aware in the office, first person I thought of was Toby. Just because he seems so emotionally adept, like he always knows, and he's like the one talking Michael down from the cliff all the time. Right. But Ryan's a wild card. But I like that. I like that. That's Deeper where cut, this went. <laughs> all right. Well, that concludes today's episode. A big thank you to Dr. Klein for being our special guest, and thank you to the audience for listening. And we'll see you next time. I'll hear you next time. <laughs> this has been the Teach SEL podcast with your host Jenna Niemeyer. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.